Hey guys, this is Bruce and welcome to another stream. I'm doing these every day for a while, just doing an experiment before I go back to work. And uh, it's been working pretty good, so figured I'd do another one. This Today I want to talk to you about uh, some interviews that I recently had, and I'm going to tell you what they asked me on the interview and some of my responses. But before I start, you should know that I have a site called ConvoCourses.com where you can get lots of free training free downloadables and really great training that you won't get anywhere else at this at this price free in some cases <laughs> and then also i have a podcast called convo courses if you just look on your favorite podcast source and i'll norm and typically i'll be there and then also i have a tiktok channel at convo courses so follow me there all right so i'm going to get right into this and talk to you guys about the interviews that I had. So I had, I'm re I'm going back to work. So uh, I had, um, I'm had a job and for about two, three years and um, had to switch jobs recently. So I'm like now in between jobs and I just got a job offer and I think I'm going to take it. So right now I'm in the process of doing background, doing a background check. It takes like three weeks or a month or whatever. It depends. So I had probably probably 20 or 30 different legit screeners interview me. I, literally, I get a few a day. Um, they're emailing me. They're calling me on two different phones. They're messaging me on um, LinkedIn and all the other sites and everything. So prob total people contacting me is in the hundreds. But when I talk about screeners, that's people who actually call me and I entertain them. That means I'm talk I'm literally talking to them about a job. A screener, let me back up a little bit. So there's typically like three, an average of about three interviews you go through as a cybersecurity person. And I believe it, this is kind of the same thing for information technology. They'll give you three interviews. The first interview is usually a screener. This is a person who they don't really know the job. They're just trying to feel out if you're a good fit. They found you on a job site or whatever, and now in, in your resume or, or your profile since kind of matches what the job position that they have. So this usually a quick interview. It's they're not it's not stressful. It's just a quick um, is this person a good fit for this? Would you be interested in this position? And that's the extent of the conversation. There's not really a lot going on with this screener interview. And then the second one is either a technical or a management. You'll have three different interviews, a technical, a management interview, and then a, a screener interview. And the screener interviews, the average questions that I get is things like, it's, it's just, um, I saw your resume. Um, we're interested in, in we might, that you look like a good fit for our, for this job that we have, would you be interested in this? Could you check your email to see if you if you uh, like this job or if you want to talk a little bit more about the job? And sometimes they'll ask you, okay, it looks like you have a security clearance or they'll say, I see you have this, this uh, certification that we've been wanting. Um, how long have you had it? Um, it? I see that you have experience in this or that technology. It, it could be whatever technology that they're, they have at their at their that they really want it could be do you have i see that you have some splunk experience could you tell me a little bit about your splunk experience 
it'll be questions like that for screener. Another question that they'll ask is, are you willing to relocate? Are you in the Denver metro area? Are you in the Maryland metro area? Would you be willing to relocate? Um, this is a full 100% remote position. Are you okay with that? Um, there's 25% travel. Are you okay with that? So they're trying to fill you out. And another thing they'll sometimes ask is, what is your salary range? Um, and usually what I'll say is, I'll ask them. Either if they don't ask me, I'll ask them, what's the salary range? I'll ask them that. Now, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I'm not sure, but that's what I do. Um, I'm not because I'm not really trying to. I'm not trying to get rich off of this. I'm trying to get a job, a solid job. Right. That's just like you know, if you're trying to go uh, for the highest amount, you want to figure out what they're what is the highest thing they offer for that position. And you can usually find that on salary.com payscale.com or or actually on some of the job sites they'll have they'll typically have like scales of what what's the position and then how far and then you want to ask as close to that highest number as possible or that highest number but me i i usually say what's the set what's the range and then they'll usually be frank with me and say well the range is this and i'll say somewhere like here i'm at here's what i'm looking for so that's the screening interview. It's not not is low stress. They're not really asking a lot on that one. And they're just trying to fill you out. And you should be filling them out too. Like you should at this point, you should be looking if you're have any interest in the organization, you should be looking them up, figuring out whether it's a legit um organization, because there's a lot of scams going on. This is the scam part. Like normally, if you're getting all these calls and contacts and emails and stuff, you should expect some of them to be scams, some of them to be not legit. They're trying to get more information off of you for some whatever reason. You are interviewing them as you're screening them just like they're screening you. That's what I do. So if they tell me the interview is uh, Light Ring uh, Corporation, I'm going to go on the Internet and figure out who Light Ring Corporation is. I'm going to open up a browser research the reputation of the company research how much they pay people that kind of thing so the second step no so what happened okay so i'll say yes i'm interested in this position they'll sometimes send you like a non-disclosure agreement saying hey um i'm gonna represent you if it's a technical interview from a third-party organization they'll say hey could you fill out this email and saying that you're interested in this job because we are going to be the contracting agency that's going to represent you or whatever right and sometimes it's the actual corporation that you're contacting sometimes it's a third-party organization it really depends in my case i had both i had one that was the actual organization that contacted me and those guys usually know what's going on with the company and they'll send you straight to a uh a hiring manager hiring manager um this person is going to know a little bit more about what's going on like they'll be um one of the people that's involved in the process of getting you hired uh one of the people who conduct some of the onboarding stuff so this is a pretty important person and they'll know a lot more about the position so in the management questions that i got from probably five different uh organizations that i did interviews with the question, the line of questioning is more, uh, it's more personal. They'll ask me, um, they'll be looking at my resume, they'll go through it, and then they'll keep, they'll focus in on the things that match 
their organization. In my case, it was risk management framework. They'll say things like, okay, so I see that you've been doing risk management framework. One of the key questions that I got was, how many systems did you get through the process? I can see that you, you've worked here, you've worked there. How many systems have you gotten approved was one of the questions that they, more than one organization asked me that. And I would say something like, well, <clears throat> I worked for the Department of Defense where I got five or six systems through several times. Um, they were usually legacy systems or they were they were systems that they'd had for a while. So we what we were doing is just recertifying those those systems. And then they asked me, OK, well, that's OK, that's good. How many systems have you certified from scratch? Meaning it was a brand new system. You brought it in and you are involved in the process of getting that system and, and authority to operate. How many times? And I say something like, well, it was there was about three systems that I did from scratch, like from start to finish. It never it's never been certified before. And I would work with the stakeholders and make sure the security controls are in place. I would go to all of the change management meetings, all of the uh, configuration board meetings. And I was involved in that whole process. I was helping with the documentation piece, making sure that we had things like procedures and plans and policies in place, making sure that the system was that the, that this system that's going to get certified is is uh, has a system security plan and we have documented all the security controls and I've, we've conducted assessments on the systems and we have plan of action and milestones for a system for all the controls that weren't met properly that's that's kind of what i would say and then there would another big question that i got from more than one organization is do you have experience with plan of action and milestones because that's a really big part of information security, information system security officer in particular. And I say, yes, you know, I have a lot of experience with plan of action and milestones. Um, that was really one of my main jobs was was dealing with plan of action and milestones. They can be very challenging because they're kind of ongoing. And they'd ask me specific questions about it. Well, what what kind of challenges did you have with plan of action and milestones? And I, I just explained to them, well, sometimes we'd have a legacy systems that we weren't able to update quick enough. So in those cases, we would do a plan of action and milestone, which would do several things. It would document who was responsible for it. It would give us milestones, a breakdown of what we're going to do to fix this system or replace the system or get rid of the system and replace it. And then we would have a status. Uh, we would have a weekly meeting of a status. And some of the difficult part was was the status meetings because we were doing them so frequently that, you know, and if you have four or five different pl plan of action milestones on several systems, that could, that's a lot of meetings potentially. So that was one of the challenges that we had for plan of action and milestones. But I'm very familiar with the process and I've done it in several different organizations from uh, from private sector to public sector. So I would basically just walk them through like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I've done this before and here's how we did it, right? So, and that was one of the questions that they asked me. Another question they asked me was, okay, well, let's say you couldn't put the vulnerability, you couldn't mitigate or remediate the vulnerability. You couldn't do a plan of action and milestone on it. What else would you do right now? They're trying to test to see if I'm a seasoned information system security officer. They're trying to see, like, what do I do? Do I panic? Do I say, well, I don't know. What do I do? And I would tell them, well, there's many different ways um, for this risk response 
to so now I'm telling them, hey, I know what a risk response is, and there's several different ways to do this. I'm I'm basically if they don't know this, I'm educating them. So I'm telling them, well, there's several different ways organizations will have risk responses. You in, in one way you can ask an outside organization to come in and help help out. You could pay another third party organization to come in and help out, and that's like a transfer of some of the risk. Um, so that's one risk response or sharing some of the risk. That's a risk response. Um, and then you have exceptions to rules. There's some organizations, what they'll do is they'll do a risk acknowledge. And then I would explain, and they will well, risk acknowledge. What is that? Is that like an exception? Well, there's different names. Some, some organizations call it a risk acceptance. Some organizations call it a, a risk acknowledge. Um, but the results are typically the same. Normally, you have a justification of why. What's going on? Number one, why you couldn't like it's a legacy system, why you couldn't fulfill the remediation, um, why you couldn't do a plan of action, a milestone, you know, and then a justification of why we uh, why we need this risk, uh, this risk uh, acceptance or risk acknowledge or risk exception, whatever, however, however the organization calls it. But one of the key things is. That it just because we couldn't do a plan of action and milestone, just because we couldn't remediate it, doesn't mean we don't have security on the system. And that's an important piece because you have something called a compensating control. The compensating control is saying, hey, no, we don't have a firewall on this particular system. However, we have what's called a we have a uh we have it has a local firewall on it or however it's not attached directly to the internet it has there's no way it's air gap there's no way to get to it you know we so there's many different other things that you can do with the compensating control it doesn't meet the even though the control wasn't met we're saying there's compensating controls that are as good or better that's still protecting the system and you would explain that in the risk acknowledge that's something that i would explain to them to let them know, hey, look, I know what I'm talking about. I've done this before. This is not my first rodeo show. That like, I would just explain, break all that stuff down. Another question that I got was they would kind of test to see if I knew the risk management framework process. They they would kind of dance around it because they don't want to insult my intelligence, but at the same time, because that's like one of the fundamental things that you should know. But they would ask me. They were trying to. They would pr ask probing questions to see if I knew risk management, the the process of the risk management framework. They what questions? They they were asking a few questions about that. They they would ask things like, uh, okay, um, in the with a contingency plan, at what point would would we have to implement on a new system? Let's say we have a new system on a, if we wanted to implement a contingency plan. At what point on a new system will we implement a, a contingency plan? So now I'm like, yeah, you you want to know if I know the risk management framework process. So I'll just walk them through it. I say, well, you know, um, you have you have the preparation stage, you have the categorization stage, you have the uh, implementation of secure the the selection of security control stage, you have implementation of security control stage, you have assessment of the security controls that are implemented stage. And then you have another step, which is authorization. And then you have the last one, which is continuous monitoring. So in, in the case of a continuous of contingency plans, 
right away I'm thinking of contingency plans. So when right in the beginning, I am thinking of a contingency. How are we going to do contingency plans? Are there some that we can inherit from the rest of the organization? I'm thinking about that. But when do we implement it? Well, it's kind of a trick question, and it was a trick question. So they're trying to figure out like it really I said it really depends. So if the organization already has one, you would probably start doing it early on. You would say, well, we're inheriting the contingency plan that's already in place and it's already covered by this one. Or um, you could do it based on the the categorization of the system, because a system that has the categorization will impact what type of uh, contingency plans that we're going to put in place. So you right after you figure out what the impact level of the system is, then you would implement the technical the uh, contingency plan, right? And then that's when you would figure out what contingency plans are there are are needed. So that was another question that they asked me. They were asked probing questions about what is the the framework, the what are the steps of the risk management framework. And that wasn't the only one they asked me to. Because more than one organization asked me something like that, like a probing question. Another question that I got for maybe three different organizations had to do with cloud. Um, and I was very surprised by this. I was very surprised because I hadn't been, I hadn't interviewed in in two, three years. And I was, I was so surprised that everyone was asking me about cloud. They were asking me, hey, have you ever gotten a cloud system certified? That was one of my questions. Have you? And then what was what was the process with that? I would mention FedRAMP, like we would go through the FedRAMP process and I'd walk them through what we did. Um, another question I got, I don't know if it was the wrong interview or what, but but he was asking me a lot of cloud security questions like what. What was the difference between a platform? Um, as a service versus software as a service. Uh, what was how how would we how would I determine if I got a scan, how would I determine whether it was a a normal network security vulnerability scan uh, with just IPs or a cloud based system? How would I how would I determine if it was a cloud based systems just based off of the vulnerability scan? That's what they asked me. That was a good question. I didn't know. I mean, actually, I. I looking back, I was like, man, I actually know the answer to that one, because when you look at the scan, it has agents. Some of them don't have an IP. They'll have a host name and then they'll have they'll it'll say it in there that it's an agent, um, because I believe there's like a little code that goes on the on the system that's cloud based, something like that, because I've actually seen that before. And I just at, in the interview, I just got stumped and I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't I can't answer that question. Um what other cloud? They asked me several cloud questions. They asked me if I'd had experience with cloud systems, if I'd installed cloud systems, if um, it just went kind of crazy with cloud. So that made me realize, man, I really got to get sharp on cloud because it's every organization's using it now. Every organization. Wow. What a wake up call that was. So if if I were you, if you're about to interview, man, definitely sharpen up your skills on cloud. Go read some stuff on cloud. They were asking me what types of cloud, what types of uh, platform cloud was I using? Was it AWS? Was it Azure? Was it? They were asking me all those questions. Like, and almost every, with the exception of one, asked me those questions. 
what other questions that they asked me uh, for this interview? They asked me the the one question that I always get is if I could deal with difficult customers, because in cybersecurity, if you didn't know, it, it can be very stressful, especially if you are in a management type position, computer management type position like you're. You're having to talk to C-level execs. You're having to talk to managers. You're ha having to talk to technical people. You're, you're talking to so many different aspects of the organization that they really expect you to have uh, a very high level of uh, emotional intelligence where you can speak to different people. You can calm people down if necessary because one of the main questions that they'll ask is like, what do you do if you have a belligerent customer or client where they don't want you to run scans on their network. They don't want you to uh, – they're, they're upset that you're telling them that something's wrong with their system. Um, what do you do? And they even act it out sometimes. They would, they would pretend to be the client, and they say, okay, now what do you do? And every single person asks me a question on what do I do with, with typical customers because every organization has one. Or two, and that's not just the clients and customers, but also peers. They were also saying, "Well, what do you do?" We have a very, uh, very smart, competent uh, peer in our, one of the other organizations we work with. How do you deal with that situation? Have you been in that situation before? And I would just explain, "Yeah, you know, actually, I, I work with many different, uh, different types and of." All kinds of personalities I have to deal with on a regular basis from clients to customers and all different levels, clients, customers, C-level execs, all of them. And one of the best skills I have is communicating with all of those different parts of the organization effectively. And when they say, well, what do you do with, with a, a high level person who knows what they're talking about? Very smart. I said, number one, I don't BS them, you know, and if they correct me, I love learning. So I'm not going to I'm. You know, I'm not going to get upset that they that they check me on my knowledge. You know, So uh, I take it as a teaching experience and a learning experience. And I, what I try to do is I this is what I said to them. What I try to do is let them know, hey, I'm on your team. You know, I empathize with them. I say, look, we're we're in this together. We this is what the government is having us do. And I know it's, it's a pain, uh, but this is the direction that we have to go in. And I said, you know, if it gets too out of hand, I'll call I'll call another meeting with my with my supervisor or manager in the meeting so we can talk about it together. And that's not to say, oh, well, this guy's belligerent or nothing like that. I would just say, you know, let let me pull my manager in so he might be able to explain it a little bit better than me. And then we'll talk about this. When are you free for another meeting? You know, if it goes if it gets completely out of hand and we need to have somebody else. I had to do that before and we have to get somebody else in there to actually explain what's going on with whatever vulnerability we're seeing or whatever policy we have to meet or whatever. So that's those are some of the questions I, I got. And another question that I got was, uh, uh, are you able to communicate with different parts of the organization? And that was like, yeah, I knocked that one out the park as well. So those are many of the questions that I got. Uh, it's very, very interesting uh, to go back into the into the workforce and um, get those questions. And um, I make sure I, I documented those so I could 
tell you guys what's up. I, I think I've done like two two videos about this these interviews, and I even I think I wrote a lot of them down and stuff, and and posted them on the site. But let me see. I've got a few questions. I'm gonna keep this one short. Um, but let me see. SS, thank you so much for all your comments. I appreciate that. Um, let me says see. It says uh, need to know how to take a system from beginning of the life cycle regarding risk management framework. Most wait till systems are established and it costs them way more. Absolutely. That's so, so true. A lot of organizations, what SS means is that, is that the risk management framework compliance in general, com security compliance in general, meeting different regulations in your industry, whether it's retail industry or if it's banking industry, or finance industry, healthcare industry, government, all of us have to meet certain rules and regulations um, that we are beholden to. And if you put those regulations in way later, it's way it's very costly. So a lot of the compliance frameworks, particularly the risk management framework 800, it lines itself up with something called the SDLC or system development lifecycle. That means when the system is actually being developed, you're already thinking about security. You're already thinking about how can we become compliant with this? If you are connecting, you, you let's say you have a store, right? You have all these, you have a hundred sites, hundred stores, and you guys have already implemented the networks and all. Everything's working great. You've got a, uh, you've got a, a guest uh, wireless network. You have a, a local area network. Everything's working great, but then you get a scan and you find out you guys are violating. A, you have the point of sale device that you use to take people's credit cards on the same network as the employees, and that that same network is touching the guest the guest network of the wireless. That's really really bad, and it's going to cost you a lot of money to go back separate the networks because the point of sale device is supposed to be separate from the production uh, network. It's supposed to be have its own lane. But now you got to go back. This, this is what SS is talking about. Now you have to go back because you didn't implement this during the development of the system, during the design of the system, right? So the, the design system design has different uh, steps to it. Like the first one's design. The next one is implementation. The next one is – I'm probably screwing this all up. And then the next one is operating the, that network, testing the network, and then operating the network. So there's different parts of it. So in the very beginning stages, when you are actually designing it, you need to already be thinking about, okay, does this meet industry standards? Do, can we put security in place? And if you do it early on, it's way cheaper for the organization. It's, you know, it's in the beginning, you, you're going to pay a little bit more, but it's way less costly than doing it when the system's already put together. Somebody said, um, Axiom says, how do you build a portfolio of assessments if you can't keep business documents for personal use? How do you build a portfolio of assessments if you can't keep business documents for personal use? Uh, you don't you don't keep. OK, and I'm just I'm just going to speak from my own personal experience, having done risk assessments, uh, many risk assessments for a couple of different organizations. Now, I've worked for. The Department of Defense, the Air Force, the, the Army in particular, I've worked for classified environments, not unclassified environments, and private sector um, and aerospace. And I'm going to tell you, you 
can't take any of that stuff home. I can't take any of my scans home. I can't take any of any of those scans or results of those scans for as a cybersecurity person that would m make it so that I'll never be hired <laughs> if that got out. If I'm if I'm collecting scan information and then taking it home like that is a no no. So you put it on your resume. That's what you do. You say you explain how many systems you scanned, how many and you may be talking you might be talking about something totally different. It sounds like you are. But how you how you put this stuff together, how you explain um, what you've done is you 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 have an action statement on your resume and you have an impact statement. This is how I do it. This is how the military taught me. This is how um, how I've been getting jobs for a decade now. Um, so what you'll do is you'll say, I'll give you an example of a bullet statement that I put on my resume. Something like this. I'll say something like assessed four different clients in three different industries. Um, managed to get each one of these clients uh, certified. Uh, or you could say something like, you could say something like conducted security control assessments on 15 different systems critical critical mission critical systems um that contained 2000 assets each each of these critical mission critical systems were able to attain uh, a, a, a authorization to operate something like that so i'm i'm saying the action that I that took place so they they can see that i i'm a real deal assessor i've done this multiple times on many different industries and the impact was I was able to get them to continue continuously operate effectively. They are able to get that certification, you know, on time and under budget. You know, you can put stuff like that in there. So you don't you don't keep any of that stuff. Um, so Axiom says, that's exactly what I'm asking. How can I show impact of the assessment that I've done without Having proof, yes. Yeah, so that's how you. That's how I do it. So uh, if they want proof, then they're gonna have to contact the people who I worked for, and that's where you put references in. So if they want, that's that's how they would validate the stuff that I've done is that they would go ahead and call my boss. And I would normally don't put the references. I don't normally put my references directly on my resume. I'll just put at the bottom, you know, contact me for. I'll put references as a, a title, a header, and I'll put. Contact me for references, and then I'll send them the references. If they want my my previous boss, I'll give them the number to my previous by my, the email or number to my. And then I'll call my boss and be like, "Hey, man, like, uh, could you do me a, a fab? I just told this new employer that they're gonna that um, that you're my point and my reference." And then normally they're like, "Okay, man, no problem," you know. So I've done that many, many times, many, many times, and and they're usually and and the references that they. And I've had people contact me, like some of my coworkers would, as a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, and this is crazy. So that's a good question. So a couple weeks ago, one of my foreman, they didn't tell me this. They didn't call me. I guess she didn't have my number or something or my contact information. Uh, but some random employer called me and said, hey, do you know, I'll just make up a name, Nancy Smith. Um, I'm I'm calling from Ringtone. 
LLC. Um, do you know a, 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 a Nancy Smith? And I said, yeah. I said, I just wanted to ask you, I'm calling on in regards to a job. They applied for a job here, and I just want to verify that they worked with you as a vulnerability scanner, vulnerability manager. And I said, yeah. I said, well, can you tell me a little bit about the work that that uh, Nancy did there? I said, yeah, Nancy was an, a credit and she was usually she was the person that did the vulnerability management. I was I was an information security officer, so we had to work together quite a bit. We'd run scans together. I'd have to take the scans. We'd have to scan. We have to look through them and things like that. And she says, OK, so what kinds of what kind of worker was Nancy? Was she a good worker? Did she um, did she know anything about um, Tenable? And I said, yeah, you know, that was the main tool that we used to conduct scans. Like we would she would run the scans uh, on a weekly basis, it was a very stressful job. And I said and I gave her kudos. I said, actually, she was pregnant at the time. She was magnificent. She did a great job. She handled pressure very well and she was very skillful. And they were so blown away, impressed by what I said. So that's how you get verification that you were there. And that, you know, happens on a regular basis. Um let me see. Somebody said, uh, SS says, oh, okay. Axum says, uh, right now I'm doing third party risk assessments and want to use it on my resume. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you do it, man. Like, you, you'll list out the action. It's action and impact. Very important, right? And if they want to validate it, that's on them to do. And you'll give them references. Just make sure you have those references ready. And then um, you have actions. Here's what I did. And you name four or five different actions on assessments. You, be careful about, you want to be careful about what you put on your resume, right? You want you don't want to be specific, so specific that you're telling what, obviously, well, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence or anything, <laughs> but I, obviously certain things you don't want to put on there about the actual vulnerabilities for certain organizations and things like that. All you're trying to do is say, is all you're trying to do is demonstrate your skills and that's and do that as as in one or two sentences do not you don't have to give them a paragraph just explain and if you want examples of this a great trick that I use is I go to LinkedIn go to LinkedIn and see how see the top person on LinkedIn go to LinkedIn type in security control assessor risk assessments risk assessor type that into LinkedIn Find the top person who's listed as the top risk assessor. Look at their resume. Some people, they hide their resume and only give it to employers. But some, you'd be surprised, have their entire – I do. You have their entire resume online, everything everything they've done online. Look through how they worded the actions that they took to of the assessments and then the impact. Impact is numbers. All right? Just remember that. Action is what you did. Impact is how many how many systems did you do? How what was the result of the assessment? What, did that assessment go towards an, an 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 IG? That's the kind of stuff that you do. But go to I can even show you exactly. Here's what I do. I'm gonna show you what I do. So I do this. I'll go to wait. So hold on a second. <laughs> I got this new system here. I'm trying to. Okay, well, I guess it's not going to work. So let me show you what I'm talking about. I'll go to LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn.com. If I'm still logged in, okay. Here's LinkedIn. And then I'll go to 
Uh, I'll type in risk assessor. Now, there's groups, there's jobs. You don't want jobs. You don't want groups. You want people. So let's let's try to find people here. So let's just actually just do a search. And you want to go to people right here. And then watch. These these are the top dudes. These are the alpha, the alphas in this in this path. These people, there's a reason why they're number one on on uh on uh LinkedIn. So you want to go down the list. This dude's a professional assessor. Data privacy. This is third party risk. Look at this. Is this you? <laughs> third party risk assessor. So you go through their resume and just look at their experience. I'm not telling you to copy this word for word. I'm saying look at how that they they're wording it. Performed initial risk assessment, identify, uh, calcify. That's not a good word. Inherited risk, um, prioritize risk management to meet business needs. Okay, there you go. So this this person is a risk assessor. And you can get the actions. This is great stuff for actions. I'm not seeing a lot of impact here. I would add, I could improve this one. I would put the the actual impact of what they did. You wouldn't say just reviewed a vendor SOC 2 type 2 report. You'd say not only did you review the vendor, not only did you review the vendor, but the result was that you guys, that they attained, um, they attained a SOC 2 certification in 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 less than a year or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you want to put the impact of what you did so that the person who's reading it knows that you're the real deal. Like not only did you do this, but the result was X, you know? And of course you can have some that just have the actions in there. That's how you do it. Okay. Let me see. Lori says, thank you, Bruce. You're welcome. Um, SS says um, the company that you work for should be should be tracking this data and should be able to provide you with that with that number or data. Okay, let me see. I must have missed the last part of that. Great advice. Love the impact statements. Yeah, man, I learned that in the military. First time I heard that was in the military. And um, wow, I'll, all the military a lot for all the, the life they sucked out of me, for all the disastrous things I had to go through with that organization. I learned quite a bit uh, from the military. So I owe a lot to, to the U.S. military. Um. Let me see. So that's that. Yeah, that's how I would do it. Um, that it's it's worked for me, you know, um, just being straight up with the employers, putting that stuff on your resume. I would not. The reason why I don't like there's a there's a debate on. I see a lot of people in my profession saying, oh, why don't you lie on your resume? They don't care about you. You should lie. The reason why I don't lie on the resume is because they they're going to ask you like if you if I would have put a bunch of stuff on cloud. Uh, they wouldn't have shut up about asking me about cloud stuff. But I said, "Oh yeah, I'm a cloud expert." Um, <laughs> they're gonna add the, somebody's gonna see that on your resume and say, "Wow, this guy's perfect." They'll do you get the interview, and then they're gonna ask you a hundred questions about cloud. You might knock it out of the park. Maybe you studied. Maybe you read a bunch of books. You know it off the top of your head. But then they're gonna call your references. Then they're gonna say, "Hey, um, I'm calling from Ring LLC and." I'm calling on behalf of Bruce and I'm I'm wondering like how much stuff did he do with cloud? Like did he was he the lead? He says he's he was the, on his resume he says he was the lead cloud guy. He was the lead cloud architect. Is that true or so that's not true. Okay. So what it was he there for 10 years? It says on his resume he was there for 10 plus years. And 
Oh, he was there for only three years. Now you're a liar. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's better just be upfront with them, in my opinion. You know, if you can't talk about what's on your resume in cyber, good luck. Yeah, you got to be able to test. That's a great point, SS. You've anything you put on your resume, be ready to back it up. All the actions, all the impact, be ready to back up what's on your resume. Be ready. Have have receipts that on the interview. That's when you really want to sell it because you're gonna. Once you start talking, they should know because all you're doing is reciting the things that you have done. That's all you're doing, right? Your knowledge, your it's your time to shine with your knowledge because you're be you're gonna be able to display your level of knowledge to these guys. And if it's coming directly from your experience, they're going to feel that straight through the Zoom call. And I'm telling you, I, I, it wins every time. You know, um, there was the last job I had, my boss, once I got hired, he says, you know, we had 14 interviews and you beat all 14 people. I wasn't even surprised. I wasn't shocked or surprised. I'm like, yep. It's not cockiness. I just know what I'm I just know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm just and I'm just going straight off my resume. I'm not sugarcoating. If I don't know something like I told you, I had an interview with a dude who asked me 10 minutes of cloud questions, 10 minutes of deep cloud. And I didn't know. And I said, no, sorry, I don't you know, I'm not sure about that. I just kept saying, you know, I, I, I'm not I, I didn't try to never try to BS him on an interview. Don't do it. If you don't know something, just say you don't know. Right. Just say you don't know. If and then you what you could say is, I don't know, but, you know, that's something I would like to find out. I, I'm very interested. And that's one of the things I said is I'm actually very interested in cloud. I would like to go a little bit deeper into it. We did have some cloud systems at our my previous organization, previous organization. I did get those certified. But the technical aspects, I'm I'm very weak on cloud. I've never set up a cloud system. I've never configured a cloud system. I've only got them configured, and I I have looked at the the results of it as far as the scans and everything. But I'm I'm not a cloud expert, you know. So and I'm not pretending to be. I was flat out told, and I, I got to the second interview, the third actually, the third interview with those guys, and they're the ones who offered me the job. I was surprised. I'm like, really? I was I was shocked. I mean, I bombed that interview. I don't know how the hell. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how. I had like three interviews. I had a screener interview with their technical recruiter. And then I had a a very technical, uh, super sharp director. A direct, that's very uncommon for a director to be as, as technically smart as this guy was. He interviewed me, and he was asking me a bunch of cloud questions, and I bombed him. I was like, man, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Sir, I'm not sure. You know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disrespect him like that. I was just, no, sir, I'm not sure about the uh, the cloud technical side of cloud, but I have gotten a few of them certified. You know, That's my expertise, really. But he kept asking me more and more cloud questions. I'm like, damn. So I, I didn't I didn't try to BS him or anything. I was just like, no, nah, sorry, I'm not sure about that one, you know. But I would like to learn more about cloud stuff. I'm hoping that if I get this position, then I will go deeper into cloud stuff. And I'm I'm dead serious about that because what a wake up call that was. Okay, let me see. Um Um SS says, uh, it's your selling point, and yes. I hire people all the time and I can smell BS from a mile away. You're a hundred percent right. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't BS. Do not BS. That's the worst thing you can do because nobody wants that kind of guy on their team in it. It's better that you say, you know, it, it's better to get a blank sheet of paper and teach that person from scratch than to have a person who think they thinks they know everything 
and is lying to everybody. It, it really displays a lot about that person's character. And you, it's hard to deal with people like that. Every team has one, unfortunately, where you have a person who uh, they're, they're, there's something flawed about them. And you it, it's it's better to have a person who's willing to learn, who doesn't know anything, but they're willing to learn and excited about learning and a hard worker than it is to have somebody who try to BS everybody and 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 try to finagle herself out of work and wants to pawn everything. They want to collect the check, but they want to give you all the work. They don't want to do anything. They want to push all that work on you, man. It sucks working with people like that. It's absolutely sucks working with, and I've had to do it before. And it just, it's so bad. It just makes your life harder. Everybody's life's harder with people like that. You don't want, I know when I've done interviews with people, I don't want to work with nobody like that. I'd rather have a person who just admits they don't know it, but they're excited about learning it. I'm more excited about that person who wants to learn it. Uh, let me see. I've got a couple other people here saying uh, most are impressed with someone who has who has the want to continue to learn. Exactly. And, you know, a couple jobs I've, I've gotten was because of that. I remember when I first got out of the military, um, Northrop Grumman was so impressed with my resume that they flew me out to another state and did an interview. They flew me. They flew me, gave me lunch, everything, to another state, and I did an interview, and I sat with the – I'd already done like two interviews on the phone. I'd done like a screening interview, and then I'd done a, an interview with the manager, and they were so blown away that they flew me to – Colorado from California to Colorado to do this interview. And I sat down with a, a who's going to be my manager, the direct manager, supervisor guy. And then the, the, my coworker, who's going to be my future coworker. And they, the manager was asking me a lot of like personal questions to see what kind of character I had and things like that. And um, I have any problem with that, but, but my coworker, this dude was really smart. Him, me and him are friends to this day. He was, he became my mentor. This dude grilled me, like he was asking me all kinds of technical questions, and I knew some of them, but I didn't have a lot of experience at the time with networking. They wanted me to know networking. They wanted me to know satcom stuff, which I had no experience, and 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 electrical engineering, which I was like, what the? F I've never. Then, you know, I was a computer operator. Like I knew how to fix Microsoft products, you know, <laughs> and, and Cisco. Like that's that was my skill set at the time. Um, this dude asked me a ton of questions. I didn't know. I knew some of them, but I didn't BS them. Then he took me uh, in their lab and started asking me to do Cisco commands. He was like, OK, OK, how would I back up the Cisco system? He was, he was a smiling like, how, how would I back up this system? Here you go. Here. Gave me the console, you know, and I was like config T. I don't remember what the cam commands are. I don't even run, show run. Like he was impressed that I actually knew that much because I guess some other people came in, didn't know, like couldn't do that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I know this stuff. But and then I said, well, here's how you would back it up. You CP space, you know, whatever the can. I don't remember the command, but I was doing it, you know. And then if I didn't know something, he says, OK, well. He started leveling up. Okay, well, how do you do this? You know, and then I was like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that, man. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't know. How to, and, he, and I said, well, I'd love to know. And he would teach me. He was like, okay, here's how you do it. Boom. And he was more impressed that I was eager to learn 
He was super excited to teach me, and he taught me all kinds of stuff. Man, I learned firewall stuff from this guy. I learned how to do tech lanes. I learned how to do satcom. I learned a little bit of electrical engineering, like soldering stuff. I learned how I learned all kinds of stuff from this dude. This dude became my mentor. His his troubleshooting ability was ridiculous off the charts. But I learned so much from this guy. But this SS is right. Like they'll be impressed if you have a willingness to learn. If you are excited about learning this, that right there is huge if you are excited to actually learn this because they want to teach we need people like you if you're excited to learn this because not a lot of people have the willpower to do this not a lot of people want to do it you know and not and even less people are excited to do it so that is a that is a a win in and of itself SS says, Bruce, just wanted to give you flowers, bro. You are uh, going above and beyond for cyber community. You are awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I, I really appreciate those words. I really, really appreciate that. Um, uh, this has been um, as much of a blessing for me as it is for you guys to be able to help to be a part of this community where I'm learning just as much as, as the next person learning a lot about this craft and, and going deeper on this stuff. So. That's it for me, guys. Thank you guys so much for uh, for participating. Thanks for watching. I appreciate everybody. I'm going to try to do another one of these tomorrow, Saturday, 1 o'clock, Mountain Standard Time. That's when I do these lives typically. So that's when we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do it on Facebook, on TikTok, on everywhere that you see combo courses. See you guys tomorrow and have a great day. Night. Have a great night. Yeah. <laughs>